This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We've got a lot to get to today. Plenty going on in local sports right now and beyond. Be joined in a little bit by NFL Super Agent Lee Steinberg. Had a chance to chat with him uh, the other day on a number of subjects, including Aaron Rodgers, including the league's uh, COVID plan, including kind of the evolution of the game, the NFL game, because he's got a lot of clients in the NFL, and we'll clear up um, whether or not he was, in fact, the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. Um, we'll talk a little bit of Vikings at the end of the show. A lot, to, a lot going on there as they get ready to go out west to play the Chargers. But first, what did I miss Going to spend a good chunk of time at the beginning of the show on the Wild and the Timberwolves. Two teams, remember at the beginning of uh, beginning of this year, really, which isn't that long ago. The seasons for these teams have only been going for you know about a month, a little bit less than that. Um, remember how you maybe were excited about both of these teams, about how you thought you know, the Wild coming off of a playoff season, coming off of, you know, Kirill Kaprizov's arrival, um, you thought, wow, I'm, I'm excited about this team. I, I think they have uh, a certain a certain kind of chemistry, a certain kind of mix going on this team that uh, that that I like. And remember, remember thinking about the Timberwolves. Wow, you know they played better towards the end of last season. Um, you know, in the off season, they you know get a year older. They have a whole a whole off season to kind of get together and actually practice, as opposed to the year before. So you're thinking this could be a pretty fun winter for both of these teams, and Wednesday showed just how much this is kind of an opposite day scenario for these two teams. The Wild, um, as hot as can be right now, won again, beat Arizona, a team they absolutely should beat. Arizona's bad, very bad. They've only won one game all season, but you know what? You know what you do with bad teams? You you, you jump on them, and you don't let... Uh, don't let off. Uh, Kevin Fiala had an impressive goal, batted it out of midair, 5-2 win. Fiala, after the game, quote, we're buzzing. I feel like every night we always step on the gas. We never break. That is the sign of a good team, of a team playing with confidence, of a team that knows it is good. Wild now 9-3 and on the season. Um, and, you know, just really figuring out how to win, you know, how to win in, in all scenarios, how to, how to win. I think they've won some nights where they weren't at their best and certainly, um, you know, certainly taking care of business when they have inferior opponents, winning road games, things like that. Last night was a road game. Um, you know, Kaprizov is going now, Fiala going now. They got a nice start from backup goalie uh, Capo Kakinen. So this is a team that has justified your excitement so far at 9-3, and three, Certainly looking like a team worthy of following for you know the rest of the season and thinking, wow, could this be a team that has some potential once they get to the playoffs? At least that's the way it looked right now. Fiala, another quote from him, by the way, wanna wanna share this one with you. We feel great about ourselves. We feel great about ourselves, but we can't chill. We always have to keep going. It's still early. You can't tell how good we are right now. We respect everybody else, every team but we respect also ourselves. We're a great team. We just have to keep going. That would be good advice for the Timberwolves. 
to have taken about six games ago. After they beat the Bucks to go 3-1, and one, everybody was pretty excited. They'd beaten the defending champions on their home court, and then I think they got complacent after that. Either that or this team isn't very good, maybe a little bit of both. They are now 3-7 and seven after losing to the Warriors on Wednesday night. No real shame in losing to the Warriors. Warriors are off to an extremely hot start. They are 10-1 and one this season. So, you know, if you're going to lose a game, it's not surprising you lose that game for sure. That said, they've dropped a lot of them along the way, and the way they're playing uh, is an indicator of just how much they're they're struggling right now. Chris Finch, head coach after the game, lamented a few things, one of them being the transition defense early on. Some turnovers for sure. Um, just, you know, I think guys going to the basket, not getting a foul call, a little frustrated. There was a lag in getting back. Um, you know, they were switching a lot of things. So there was some cross matches. So it was, it was a, a, you know, a gang of things, but um, you know, we were better in that in the second half. And that was spot on. If you watch the game, that game got away from the Wolves in the second quarter. All of a sudden, they were down 20. They did cut it to, I think, four points in the second half, but it was inevitable. It felt like the Golden State, once crunch time hit, was going to take that game over, even with Anthony Edwards scoring 48 points for the Timberwolves. He had more points than any of, their, any of the rest of their starters combined in that game. And I didn't like afterwards, by the way, Chris Finch kind of joining the uh, the complaint parade, complaining that Carlton Towns isn't getting any fouls called. Now, he did not shoot a free throw in that game. That's got to be frustrating. But when you can constantly complain about not shooting free throws every night, when you constantly complain to officials, that is going to happen. Here was Finch post-game talking about the frustration level over that. Not re- I, I I don't I don't know I mean every night I walk I, I stand I look at this and he doesn't even doesn't get to the free throw line like every night you know I don't know what to say um, he's got to he's got to finish he's got to be strong he's got to go quick he's got to you know he, I thought he battled man offensive rebounds he was guys draped on him and he's trying to put it back up there and just couldn't get one to go in frustrating night for him but he kept playing hard now listen what I see here is. A team that is really struggling right now to find an identity. When when they get into crunch time, like we've talked about, they are the one of the worst teams in the NBA in net rating in the fourth quarter, one of the worst teams in the NBA in net rating during crunch time of games. I see a team that's lacking confidence, and frankly, I see a team that we're starting to see the real flaws in how it was constructed, and that's primarily on the man who's not here anymore, Gerson Rosas, who was fired not long before the season started, not so much for basketball matters, but for off-court matters. But he he put together a roster that still has glaring holes. They talked all offseason about needing to upgrade their power forward position. They did very little to do that, and it is absolutely killing them right now. They are dead last still in the NBA in rebound rate, defensive rebound rate, 65.5%. Nobody else is worse than 69.2%. Wolves way down in that category. When you can't get defensive rebounds, possessions get extended, and it's just a demoralizing way to play. So a failure to acquire any sort of meaningful upgrade at power forward is absolutely hurting them right now. The Ricky Rubio trade does not look great right now. Still like the Patrick Beverly move, but that's just not enough on its own. 
If you look at their bench right now, you thought maybe they had some depth this year. Um, if Malik Beasley isn't scoring, their bench is terrible. I, I mean, I like Naz Reed. I think he, he does some good things. Maybe that's the next thing you try in the starting lineup, two bigs with Naz Reed and, um, and Carl Anthony Towns next to each other. Maybe try Towns as more of a four in certain scenarios. But, you know, right now, the roster doesn't seem like they, it makes a whole lot of sense. They're three and seven, six straight losses. Uh, by the way, two of their wins uh, to start the year against the, the Rockets and the Pelicans the Rockets and Pelicans each have one win this season. And by the way, that Pelicans win was against the Wolves right after the Wolves beat the Pelicans. Um, that Milwaukee win is their only impressive win this year. They've lost to the Pelicans. They've lost to the awful Orlando Magic. They've given some other games away that they probably should have won. This is a team that if you were excited about them, I don't know outside of Anthony Edwards what there is to be excited about right now. And I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake where every day is play day. Happy to have NFL agent Lee Steinberg on Daily Delivery today. Lee, how are you doing? Doing just great, thank you. Appreciate you doing this. Now, uh, you're uh, someone who represents you, got in touch with me last week after the Aaron Rodgers story uh, broke when it was you know, learned that he was going to be out with COVID. I thought, yeah, that might be a one- or two-day story. It's turned into a many, many days story. Um, you know, maybe you can just start, Lee, talking a little bit about the impact that we're seeing of COVID-19 still on this season, obviously with Rodgers missing a game here in Minneapolis. We're seeing the Vikings impacted by it with uh, several players missing time. And, and in fact, uh, Dakota Dozier, one of their offensive linemen, being hospitalized as a result of getting COVID-19. Maybe uh, from your perspective, where, where you know, what what has been the what's the ongoing impact that you see? Well, the truth of the matter is the NFL has done an excellent job in putting together protocols and systems that have resulted in very few players missing time, very no games postponed. We have live fans in the stands, and the protocols work pretty well, so that we have a really exciting football season going on and and uh, packed stadiums and, and players who are participating. So um, compare this, for example, to last year, where there were no fans in the stand certain places, where uh, players uh, opted out uh, of the whole season. Um, it, it was really impactful. But this year has been much more normal. I agree with that. It's also been interesting to see the uh... – Kind of the, I think that the conversation over COVID has shifted more to you know, conversation over players being vaccinated or not vaccinated, and that became a big part of the Aaron Rodgers story. You know, as someone who's represents, you know, represents and has represented so many high-profile players, you know, how how does that play out in terms of just players' rights versus you know the the concept of you know what a team might want and, and things of that nature. So, first of all, let's be clear. The protocols 
and the COVID policy was collectively bargained between the Players Association and the owners so that everyone agreed that this was the best set of protocols possible to allow as normal a season as could be. And no one's telling players they have to be vaccinated. Uh, no one's forcing players to to take uh, uh, the vaccine or wear a mask or do anything. What they're saying is that if you're vaccinated, you follow one set of protocols. And if you're not vaccinated, then you um, have to wear a mask at the facility. You get tested multiple times and and all the rest. And so the system's worked really well. It has nothing to do with woke or cancel culture. It has nothing to do with, you know, the major politics of the thing. You just have players in these two categories. So uh, the easiest thing for a player to do is get vaccinated. But if they have real objections or they've got some problems, okay, you put them in category two. And then for the protection of, other players and to create a situation where you're not having mass infections, they ask them to wear a mask inside the uh, uh, complex, you know, to when they go out in public to wear uh, masks. And these are just standard rules for everybody. And uh, the fact that someone got tested positive, again, all the policy is uh, written down and and made real clear for everybody to know. So it doesn't have anything to do with um, sort of the larger issues. It's, it's a safety system um, that is divorced from the rhetoric and the anger going on in the rest of the society um, to simply... Uh, give fans and players the best chance to enjoy the season. I would agree with that. Um, now I don't necessarily expect you to comment directly on players you don't represent, but you know it feels like Aaron Rodgers has taken a certain hit to his reputation throughout this process, and in my estimation, rightfully so. I believe he intentionally misled, at the very least, with, with how he answered that question about whether he was vaccinated in, in August. You know, That said, players... Uh, as someone who represents so many players, you can give them a certain amount of advice. How how often does a player stick to the script? How often does a player just kind of go off and say and believe whatever they're going to believe? Well, first of all, the problem with anything related to COVID and masks and, and vaccinations has been that the feelings are so intense and so strong on either side of the equation that it's like the third rail of uh, public interest and it's an area that you would really like your players to stay away from uh, other than potentially urging people to get vaccinated but um, so you'd like that there's a credibility issue here which is that this is not yesterday's press corps um, in days past uh, 30, 40 years ago, writers used to travel on the team plane. They got all sorts of gifts or a very cozy relationship. Today's press does careful checking and careful scrutiny and evaluates the consistency of statements. Roger Goodell learned that to, in uh, uh, the Ray Rice situation. So here you've got a situation where it's not like people forgot what 
the player had said originally. And so now you have a credibility uh, issue. So um, people are going to react the way they do to some people. I'm sure that, that this player will be a hero because he fought against the system and stood up for his own rights. It's just how what your perspective is on the issue. You mentioned the the differing media landscape. You know, you've been at this for quite some time, and maybe without you, could probably a, this would probably be a subject for a book and not a couple minutes of a podcast segment. But as you think about how player interaction dynamics have changed during, you know, as you've represented them, what 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 sticks out to you as big, some of the bigger changes that you've seen, whether it's league dynamics, player dynamics, how you deal with players, things like that. Well, the first big change has been the evolution of social media. So the fact of the matter is that players now on their own can go ahead and tweet or TikTok or Instagram and express themselves uh, uh, publicly so they don't really have as much of a need. They, they don't think they have as much of a need to deal with uh, contemporary press, but that's wrong because we wouldn't even know there was a football season going on if you weren't reading about it in a newspaper or uh, on the Internet. Um, and, and so there's really a synergistic relationship. But, but this has been a major, major change. And you also have the universality of the Internet, which means that a player used to give a quote or say something in one regional or local market and that's as far as it went now everything has a, a instant um, a propulsion to to be a worldwide story um, so that's a basic change also and um, you also have in football the popularity of the game which was when i was growing up it was baseball and now by three to one, NFL football is the most popular sport in various reader polls. And the games are the most heavily watched form of, uh, of entertainment. They lead the Nielsen ratings week after week. Uh, 71 of the top 100 shows last year on television were NFL games or pregame broadcasts. So you've got this dominance of one sport in the culture and um it, it means there's a microscope you also have the evolution of whole pages and whole uh press uh, presentations that are based on athletic behavior off the field so that um every drunk driving every domestic violence is portrayed as if it somehow represents uh, the daily activity of a good deal of players, which it doesn't. It's the aberration. But the point is that everything is fair game now. And, um, you know, when Babe Ruth walked up the middle of a, of a train carrying him from one city to another with a woman under his arm drunk, you know, on his hand, <laughs> no one wrote it. But now we write every personal detail about every athlete. So I it requires cautioning them that they live under a microscope that the minute they leave the house in the morning uh, until they come home, their behavior is, uh, has to be circumspect. 
sounds like that would make your job more challenging. Am I getting the gist of that? Um, clearly more challenging because, again, it requires all sorts of preparation. So we need to talk through with players under what circumstances they're going to be drinking in public and how they're going to get home and to have a plan before they leave so that we eliminate drunk driving to understand if they go out in public, someone may challenge them and we don't want to have fights to understand that every interaction with a female for a male athlete, again, is uh, something that they'll be judged on. So it requires a lot of uh, preparation and they get this before when we have rookies, we give them this kind of preparation. Uh, but they also get it from, in football, the NFLPA, they get it from the league itself. So there's a whole system set up of uh, where if a player happened to be out and he had been drinking, if he could remember, um, he, he can call Uber, which uh, the uh, league pays for or the, the Players Association pays for. Enjoying this conversation with NFL agent Lee Steinberg. A couple more things for you, Lee. You mentioned just how popular the NFL is. I don't think anybody would doubt that. They've There's been so many you know, threats, I guess, to that reputation in, in recent years. You had you know, concussion discussion, which is still very much mainstream. There's been a lot of different issues that seem to threaten it, yet it, it still stays in that dominant top spot. What, what, what has made you think the NFL so resilient in that regard that it still is, you know, number one by a large margin in our, in our, in our country? First of all, it grew up with the development of television. So all the camera angles, the uh, uh, superimposed uh, uh, first down line, the, there are so many aspects of football that televised well, and they got all the benefit of that it's a event game so it's not 162 games it's um now 17 or with preseason 20 games so every week is a new event and can be built up prior to it and coming out of it so there's the lead up into the game and then it comes out and every game counts and matters it reflects the desire of people to watch more physical contact and um um, so, you know, it's got action, it's got content, it has short bursts of, uh, of action that fit, uh, sort of a fractionalized, uh, uh, focus that people have today. You know, they're, unlike, uh, soccer, you, they're commercials, people can go to the bathroom. Um, and then it's developed a variety of ways to enjoy it from fantasy football that engages people to gambling that engages people. It's memorabilia and collectibles are uh, designed with great flair and they're things that uh, people want to have. And, um, you know, for people who didn't go to college or people who did, um, this is, it, it, it has rivalries, which are one city versus next, like Cleveland, Cincinnati, um, and and reflects area pride in uh, all of it. So there's so many ways in which this sport is the sport. We're now seeing virtual 
reality where Patrick Mahomes puts on you put on the helmet and you can be him in a in a game. There are uh, uh, other iterations where uh, there's a new league where uh, fans get to pick the coaches and the general managers. Um, it's been one of the cleverest marketing campaigns. They were the first with a with an NFL network exclusively focused on their sport. Um, it's been very clever uh, extensions of the brands into different ways. And uh, now you've got gambling come on, and I don't think it'll be too long for it will be paramutual at the stadia themselves. So it's been the cleverest and most creative in marketing and giving all fans a rooting interest. One other key is that the major portion of the games are not on pay television. So that if you have $112 and you can buy a a black and white or a little colored TV, you can watch the games. The Super Bowl, the main event is not on pay-per-view. So that's um, occasioned massive regularity. Here in Los Angeles, we couldn't even watch it the Lakers or the Dodgers unless you were on a certain cable system. So they've made sure that it's accessible to everyone. Good stuff, Lee. Last question for you. I've seen this a lot of different places. I've wondered this. And in fact, it is in the first paragraph of your Wikipedia entry. Steinberg is often credited as the real-life inspiration of the sports agent from Cameron Crowe's film Jerry Maguire in 1996. Upsetting that that movie is 25 years old, but I got to ask, is that accurate, Lee Steinberg? So Cameron Crowe called me up in 1993, and he was a writer-director, and asked if he could follow me uh, and be a fly on the wall or or do research into a film that would feature a sports agent. So he went with me in 93 to the league meetings where I was showing off a free agent named Tim McDonald, and... Uh, you know, at times I'd introduce him to people in that world, but I always told him stories. And then we went to the NFL draft in 93 where Drew Bledsoe um, was uh, the first pick in the first round, and he got to watch and see all that. And then we went up to pro, uh, New England, uh, to Boston, uh, for the initial press conference with Drew and, and Bill Parcells. He came to Pro Scouting Day at USC. He came to a series of games with me. He came to my two Super Bowl parties, uh, spent lots of time in my office. So um, it, uh, and then he went off and wrote a script, and I was technical advisor, so it was my job to vet the script to make sure the willing suspension of disbelief, which holds you in a motion picture, so you didn't think the dialogue was phony or the look on the field was phony, um, uh, was preserved. And then I worked with some of the actors, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., who played Rod Tidwell, I took to uh, Arizona, and he had to pretend he was a wide receiver, my client, all week, and he interacted with Desmond Howard and Amani Toomer, and... Um, um, so there's a lot of life up there on the screen, and I frankly haven't been out 
too many times in public, either in an airport or out to dinner, where someone didn't run up to the table and either ask me to say the four words or uh, say the four words to me that start with, show me the... (laughs) Show me the money. That's it. (laughs) Well... I love that answer. It sounds like it was a that was a long way of saying yes, I think. But uh, I, I like the uh, I like the detail in that, Lee. Great stuff. Good catching up with you, and uh, you know, best of uh, best of luck as this game continues to evolve. I think that gambling piece you mentioned is going to be kind of the uh, the next big thing here in in sports. And it's just fascinating for me to see how that has evolved in sports, especially the NFL. When five years ago they didn't want anything to do with it, at least not uh, at least not publicly. And and now this weekend I'm going to see Patrick Mahomes play in Las Vegas, <laughs> which was never going to have a uh, team because of gambling, and now has a hockey team and and a football team, and you have uh, teams owning parts of things like DraftKings. Well, thanks, Lee. I appreciate you taking the time on Daily Delivery. Be well, okay? My pleasure. Loved chatting with Lee Steinberg. Just interesting perspectives on the NFL. He's been at this for four decades, you guys. Has a wealth of experience, has seen it all, and was really interesting to catch up with him. Let's finish with the cooler. Vikings going to the Chargers over the weekend, probably without a whole bunch of their best defensive players, and now facing a scary situation. Dakota Dozier, we reported in the Star Tribune, hospitalized with COVID symptoms. Uh, Mike Zimmer, you know, said a player was hospitalized. The Star Tribune has has been uh, has reported that it was Dakota Dozier, uh, guard, offensive lineman for the Vikings. So, just you know, we talked about this quite a bit on the Access Vikings podcast. You can find that where you get your finer podcasts as well. But you know, not to lump all of these things together. The you know, COVID very serious. The Dalvin Cook situation very serious. But feels like. Part of what we thought might happen at the beginning of the year when things were going off kilter in training camp, that it just feels like one of those years for the Vikings. And we'll see if somehow, some way, without a lot of their best defensive players, if they can change that narrative on Sunday. That will do it for today. Bunch of good stuff coming up on Friday's show. Talk to uh, someone down in Iowa, enemy territory, advancing that uh, Gophers Hawkeyes game Saturday in Iowa. Also have Mark Craig and his NFL picks. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery Today. I'm Michael Rand. We'll catch you again on Friday.